Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm talking to Rob Blanchett. After another defeat for Manchester United against the top nine club in the Premier League, and it's we're just we're crawling towards the line at the moment. It's it's quite it's a tenuous, it's a difficult, it's a we're seeing the same issues over and over again, Rob, aren't we? And we're seeing the same results. Brighton beating Man United at the Amex on Thursday night. United play have five games left to play in the Premier League. They're still in the pole position to get top four ahead of Liverpool. But if they keep playing like that, they might give it up, Rob. Yep. And that's why I keep saying this whole top four thing is not over and how it's a priority. All I could think yesterday, Scott, in the 98th minute when that goal went in and you lose the game was I'm quite glad we're not in Europa League anymore. And, and, and this was kind of my philosophy a few weeks ago about priorities, because this is still the priority. Top four has got to be the priority. But when you look just below you, there's a little team from 28 miles away from Manchester up the motorway on the coast called Liverpool, who are just starting to motor. So you're in that precarious situation now. And do you know whose fault it is, Scott? It's yours, not you, Scott. But I'm talking about Manchester United. I'm talking to obviously Manchester United, the entity that we do this show about. So really, really disappointing result, of course, in the end. But I think it was more the makeup of the result and the performance and how you got there after a pretty good first half, which was not perfect, but was okay. And you were in the ascendancy to a second half of just ineptitude and just a lack of cohesion in all the parts of football that you need to have cohesion within the Premier League. If you don't do certain things like pass the ball properly, hey, guess what? You might get stung in the 98th minute. So Luke Shaw's handball was wild. And like he said after the game, I don't know why I did it. I don't know why my hand was there. And I feel sympathy for him because I think he was man of the match. I think he's been brilliant at centre-back. <clears throat> but for me, it's the midfield. The midfield, if it doesn't tick and doesn't do its job, then a team like Brighton can absolutely tear you to pieces. Last 10 or 15 minutes, Scott, the game were a pretty painful watch. We'll be talking more about the Brighton game and looking forward to the rest of the season. You can probably tell by my tone that I've just had enough of this. I'm sure you, if you're listening as well, you probably have as well. United are just, as I say, crawling uh, towards the finishing line, which is just not, not what we wanted. We wanted a little bit more momentum, some more promise, but it feels like they're running out of legs a little bit. The plus side is that they don't play for, or they play on Sunday, but now they only have one midweek game left this season. That's in the final week. So mm. if there's any energy troubles, hopefully they should be able to recuperate with uh, full week breaks for the next two weeks. But you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, etc. Please give us a five-star review and leave a comment and watch us on YouTube if you would like to actually see our faces as we as we speak. Uh, twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays usually. We'll be doing that through the end of the season, hoping that we do see Man United seal top four and hopefully 
although this is a long way away, hopefully win the FA Cup as well. Uh, they are not the favourites for that game, I will say. But head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us as well, and follow us all on the Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. It was difficult coming up with an, a running order today because it, we don't want to just say the same stuff over and over again, but it is the same issues that we're seeing over and over again. Yeah. Uh, I suppose for me, it's, you know, I do like the, the only saving grace here is that United do have a cushion to Liverpool. I think they need to drop points in four games or needed to drop points in four games in order to give that position up. Now that's, they have five games left. So they've, they've used up one of their lives, uh, but they need to get back on, get back on the wagon. They play, these are the fixtures that they have. They play West Ham away on Sunday night, Wolves at home on Saturday, the 13th, Bournemouth away, who are resurgent Chelsea on the Thursday, the 25th penultimate game of the season in midweek. Chelsea having a bad season, but they've got some good players. And if they mm. manage to click it in the next few weeks, that could be a problem. And then Fulham, we obviously saw Fulham come to United in the FA Cup and they caused a good few problems. So not an easy run in, even though United are not playing a team higher than 10th in the Premier League before the end of the season. But Rob, what? So what was the frustrating thing about the Brighton defeat then for you? Is there one thing? Is there several? What, what's the what's the takeaway? Like you said, it's the same things. Like, you know, if there's an illness, then you can only really talk about the symptoms, can't you? And that's that's it. You know, you can't... The illness itself needs to kind of heal, get fixed later on down the line. And we've said this all along, haven't we? That we believe that Ten Hag will fix these things. That's the saving grace here. But I just think it's the same problems from the same players that some we give passes to because we like them others we don't like so they get hammered by in social media and there's this kind of imbalance somewhere here about that it's just about winning scott like how do you go about winning i think when you looked at the game last night brighton were brilliant but the game wasn't about brighton the game was about man united the game was about what man united are doing to themselves so like this is i think the issue and i think this is maybe where it's so frustrating for the manager and for some of the players is that you know, like Luke Shaw at the end of the game spoke about his handball, but then he was quite hard on the lack of, of Man United not scoring goals. So that then lends itself to the number nine debate, doesn't it? But last night wasn't about not having a number nine. Last night was not about having a proper functioning midfield. That's what it was about, because you needed to be able to keep the ball to stop Brighton playing in transition and through your press. Man United can't do it, Scott. And I don't know why, because the players in there, Scott, are good enough to do it. And I think if you drop them in other teams, other systems, no problem. They look loads better. But as a collective, there is still something dysfunctional from the 6, 8 and 10. It's fractured. And at best, some some days it works and we go, oh, the midfield's loads better this season. And we get we feel all right about it, don't we? And then the next game, it stops working and you go, seen this bad movie before. And it's got like, you know, 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. So like I know this is bad. So this is the problem, I think. And like we said off camera, didn't we, that it's difficult to do content around this stuff because it does feel like Groundhog Day and we're saying the same stuff over and over and over again. But unfortunately, until it's fixed, we have to keep talking about it in a more lateral sense. So United lost this game yesterday because they had no ball control, especially in the last 15 minutes. I don't think the manager's substitutions helped. I really don't. Sabitzer... 
um, uh, Sancho, but then the Veghorst substitution coming on. United was still pressing Scott in the 90th minute. As I said to you, don't press. Sit in your shape. Sit in your shape and make bright and play round you. And that then runs the clock, doesn't it? But United kept pressing, kept losing the ball, trying to pass through it. And it was like, you don't need to win this game, lads. You just need to not lose it, you know. And they don't have that mentality about them or professionalism in those moments. So one week they're professional, Scott, at Wembley, and you get to the final and you beat them. And then the next week you're at Brighton. And I think it was kind of unprofessional second half. They had their moments. I mean, you, you pointed to the midfield there. Um, obviously, Luke Shaw's handball was uh, the defining moment of the game, mm. which he's, no pun intended, held, held his hands up. and <laughs> He and even said, said that. He, he went... <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, no. And he said, look, uh, that's my fault. I'll take it on the chin, etc., etc." But he isn't his post-match was quite interesting hmm. he said the chances that we have because they did have a lot in the first half we yeah. have to be scoring goals the game's completely different if, if we score these chances that we make ironic thing is they were two nil up at spurs and they still bottled that uh maybe we're not clinical enough i don't really know what else to say to that obviously about that but what i did is totally the opposite and it's disappointing and i lost as a point in the end but maybe in the first half we could have been three nil up not to say brighton didn't have their own chances correct Mitoma, had probably the easiest chance of the game he could have squared and he steady hit it at David De Gea's face, mm-hmm. which uh, was a painful one. Uh, but he's got he's got a point. Obviously, there's still areas of dysfunction in this team. The more I look at it, I know we did a show recently where we said about the positions that United need to strengthen in. I would even say that they need two strikers and two midfielders, <laughs> really, in, a, in an optimal world because they just don't have the personnel like Martial, Veghorst, you... Like it's, it's probably unfair to pick on Martial there, but I don't think he had the best game last night. But Marcus Rashford didn't take his chances. Anthony mm-hmm. didn't take a chance in the first couple of minutes. So they need to get better and they need to get more clinical. But obviously the midfield is an area that they can't control at most times either. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What did you make of what Luke Shaw said? I understand what he said. And I think he was trying to tread carefully because on one hand, he was trying to say, yeah, I'll hold my hands up, like literally and metaphorically. And that's quite funny, but also quite tragic. But I think like the, the making out the point that scoring goals is what football is about is always a little bit of an anomaly because it is completely true. Like if you score eight goals in a match, it doesn't really matter if you concede six, does it? You know, that. but United should have had uh, goals yesterday. And we've talked about the number nine question all season long. And like, say you had a Ronaldo in there yesterday, would you have scored more goals because he's the greatest goal scorer of all time? Well, probably not. So why is it that you're in that position? The truth is this, Scott, and we said this in the last show, that you didn't need to win this game. You just needed to not lose it. And this is where Man United have, I think, a little bit of a, of a brain gap because they can do certain things really well when they're when they're humming and when they're buzzing. And I think some of the ball progression in the first half was really good from midfield, from the 10 and the 8, and United were doing that well. And Martial got his chance, Rashford's got chances. And yes, of course, they should score. But on the flip side, you know, forwards do miss chances as well. It can't all just be about that. And this game was, for me, as I said in that second half, was just about putting your foot on the ball, the real simple stuff. And... You know, I'm I'm not going to do the Bruno Fernandes segment because I think Bruno played really well yesterday on the front foot. And he, it was the first time he's played the 10 for weeks, isn't it? He? He's not played that role for 90 minutes for a long time. 
but the midfield collective of Casemiro, Fred, and uh, Bruno as a three there in, and they played a kind of four-two-three-one yesterday. Doesn't work on the ball. One of those three have got has got to put his foot on the ball and go slow it down. Let's keep possession for two minutes, lads, because all they're looking for is a killer pass, Scott. Yeah, it goes mm. to Bruno and Bruno looks up and Bruno goes, hit that channel, Martial runs and it looks like a chance, but it's a, it's a tougher chance than people think. So, yes, you want to create and that's part of the game and creation is a big part of Man United's issues overall. But I think the biggest issue, just put your foot on the ball. Look at what McAllister did yesterday. Yeah, it's just simple stuff, Scott. And then you're in a better position to win. So I know Ten Hag knows this. He does know it. And whether the board know it or not is is another question. I'm sure he's told them. But this is why you just said there, you know, two midfielders and two forwards. I don't think you're miles off. I really don't think you're miles off. I think if you go get your premium number nine, Harry Kane, whoever you want to call it, great. But you need other things happening on a football pitch week to week. And it, it starts with control. Yeah, Brighton are good because they can control you with two passes. One out ball, one out ball, they're in and they're away. United can't do that. They do it sometimes, Scott, but it's rare. It's not their normal, it's not part of their normal DNA. So this is why you might need to go buy a number eight and a 10 or maybe a six, eight. You might need to go and get someone like a Casado who can look after certain parts of the park better than maybe an aging Casemiro will next year. Because I think that's going to be something we're going to be talking about. I really do. I think Casemiro's had a great season, but you could see again last night, sliding in, diving in, We've both said we agreed that we should have been sent off. I think it was two yellows. Mm -hmm. So he gets away with that. And I think it was absolutely uh, the most worst refereeing performance I've seen all season long. And I've seen quite a few of letting the game flow because it's English football, but then ruining the game because you're not calling obvious fouls and then nearly seeing a big... And the irony is you give a very, very soft foul at the end, which contributes to the goal, which and then you that is not, an, you know, this is not an excuse um, and Luke Shaw did, it's Luke not, Shaw did point that out, but you know, like it's not a foul, it's not a foul. And he gave the foul because he wasn't giving the other fouls. And in the referee's head, that's how it ends up unwinding. And he did that, he gave yellow cards for fouls that weren't yellow cards. And then he was trying to make it up by giving yellow cards for other stuff. And you're like, and then he didn't give a red card when he should have given a red card. That's against us. So, you know, I think Casemiro could have gone last night. You said you thought Anthony could have gone last night. So I think, again, this, this referees do have a profound effect on the balance of the game. But ultimately, it's about you. It's about you and what you do. And I think Man United, in that last 15 minutes, I didn't feel good at any moment in that last 15. Um, there was one bit, Scott, it kind of rattles in my brain, was when Veghorst came on and he was pressing Dunk. And I was thinking, don't press Dunk. Because he'll just pass through you and then the midfield's exposed. Just sit in shape. 4 2 three, one. Sit well, in your what, shape. That's what Big Vouty does. That's, that's he's, what he's big... a pressing machine. Yeah. So when you're pressing <laughs> as a team, it works. But United weren't pressing as a team. They were pressing in like weird areas of the pitch. And uh, and it's, you know, you could say it's tactical and you could say, well, Manja needs to control that. But you could see United were pressing at the top end in the 80, 85th minute, 90th minute. And you're in the stage of the game, Scott, where it's done. Do your job, be professional, take the point, go home, and then everything's fine. And then this show is a very different show, isn't it? We're going United professional, they got the point. So very, very, very frustrating, as you can probably tell by the way I'm speaking. Um, but again, it's fundamental, Scott. It's people that should know how to do their job better do not need a tactician to say, you should do this on the ball. It's natural stuff. Ericsson not playing last night was a big miss. And that's why I've said 
through the season, I think he's probably our most important player. Because without Ericsson, you can't play ball. You can't play football. It just stops. And uh, and United last night looked inept to me on the ball. And it got worse as the game went on. As they got more tired, they got more desperate and looking for the through ball. And it then becomes just a, a game of giving the ball away nonstop. And then Brighton are like, right, Maybe we United can win this. Get out second half, they, they just couldn't. Like, they couldn't were... get out, and they couldn't. They, they couldn't outthink the opponent, which I think is a is a dodgy situation when you're supposedly the Champions League team for next year, and this team is on the cusp, and you've just beaten them at Wembley. So you should, in those situations, be able to think you out of it. As we said as well, you know, nine games against the the top nine teams away from home, no wins, and maybe only I one. Ha- I have the list in front of me. So do the list, Scott. Brentford lost 4-0. Manchester City lost 6-3. Aston Villa lost 3-1. Arsenal lost 3-2. Liverpool lost 7-0. Newcastle lost 2-0. Tottenham drew 2-2, blowing a two-goal lead. And obviously, Brighton losing 1-0 last night. Luckily, the bright side is that they don't play any of the top nine away from home again. They don't play any of the top nine, period, in their last five games. And... It's something of a relief, to be honest, but it's something that they absolutely need to fix because there's a theme developing here. It's a lot of what you've said there, not being able to put a foot on the ball, not being able to deal with the pressure, not keeping your head at the right time, not taking your chances when you have them. Remember at Anfield, United could have gone 1-0 up. They had a mm-hmm. big chance and they lost 7-0. <laughs> and it's, uh, I think these things can change games, as Luke Shaw said, but obviously even when they do take a lead like they did at Spurs, they're not able to hold on to it in these yeah. games. And, and the irony of all of that as well is when you look at that top nine, look at those defeats, it is actually those nine away defeats, which is why your goal difference is nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not actually the season. You know, I saw a little statistic. Yes, Scott, I'm going to test you and see what you think. In, in the top five leagues in Europe, where do you think Man United sit as the most goal scored in, in the whole of the season? And all comps. In all in in the leagues in in all the top five leagues, where do Man United sit in the? So that's probably about hundred teams. So for league goals, yeah, so league goals out of out uh, of everyone, probably in the not in the top fifty. They're fifth. What? Right? So they're in in terms for the whole season. They are fifth when it no, comes. No, but to that's, that's in all goals. competitions, right? I'm not, I don't know. If I'm counting Europa and all of this. I'm counting. I'm counting that the, the statistic was in the top five leagues that Man United are fifth. I will find the graphic and I, I'll send I it th- to you. I, I saw this right? yesterday. I think it's all competitions because yeah. United, all right, so, all right, so all United are not even in the top half in the. So what that suggests? Okay, what that suggests is that goal scoring is a problem, but not the biggest problem. <laughs> like if you are fifth out of a hundred teams, then that you've got to understand. Where are you losing games and why are you losing those games? And why are you not scoring in those games? Like why in this nine games away from home that you're, it's completely ruined a whole season of, of goal scoring. right? And Marcus Rashford scored like a million goals this year. And you have had contributions all around the pitch from certain players who score with scoring goals. But what that tells you is that you're not a million miles away from it, from where you want to be. You might be a number nine away from it. 
But what it means, Scott, is you need to manage his games to stop the ball going in the net. And that means controlling midfield and better outballs from the defence. So you can rectify that over time. Man United should not be, even in all competitions, anywhere near that top five. Because the way it feels is that they are rubbish at it. It feels that they do get chances and they well, don't bury them. Yeah, like, like I think that is all competitions. But let me put this yeah. in perspective for you. I think they're about seventh or eighth in, in the Premier League strictly for goal scored this season. Yeah. Yeah. Leicester City have scored three fewer goals than Man United. <laughs> and Leeds, Leeds United have scored six fewer goals yeah. than Man yeah. United. And so, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Aston Villa have scored three fewer goals than Man United. Brentford have scored three more. Yeah, and that's Brentford. <laughs> but if you're looking from a European perspective, out of 100 clubs in your fifth in all competitions with goals scored, then you almost got to kind of look in yourself and say, "All right." When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply could score more goals you know that's the truth we could do that we could be better we have a better number nine who scores goals but it's not why you've lost those games you've lost those games seven nil not because you don't score goals <laughs> you know like at Liverpool you got hammered at Brentford you know you got hammered at City it's I think it's about mentality and you know we had a, a conversation didn't we just there about um about them playing in front of big stadiums and all this I, I'm not buying it these players have played at World Cups the biggest tournaments around, and they play for Man United. They are not scared of 20,000 people on the South Coast at Brighton. They are not. It is about themselves. Is that they look in the mirror, and I think Scott Afton just don't like what they see, and they, and they lose confidence in that. They lose confidence in one another. The, the hemorrhaging of the ball is the problem, and that has to be fixed in the summer. So like you're saying there, we all want a number nine, but that doesn't solve the hemorrhaging of the ball. It does not. And what solves the hemorrhaging of the ball is a better midfielder, a better midfield, at least two of them, and then what you're doing from the back. Yesterday, United playing out from the back, Scott, in the first half was frightening. Lindelof to Wambasaka. Uh, then you had Wambasaka give the ball away twice. Delo was just looked like... He, he just was controlling a, a brick, not a football out the back. And there are things, I think, that erode the confidence for United. And I think that's why you lose these games so dramatically. Do you know what I mean? Like, 1-0 is a bad result. But, you know, 7 at Anfield should never happen, should it? Ever. Like, if you're professional, you know, you just deal with it and you lose 4-0 and you, you you take it on the chin. Well, here we have some maths on the fly. United have conceded 40 goals in the Premier League this season. <clears throat> and across those nine games, they've conceded 28. Yeah. 28. And there you go. Like that, that is that's the perfect stat to highlight it, isn't it? Is that it's the big moments where you still are not a big moment team. Yeah. So that is something that you need to solve with signings. And you can have progression. The players, there will be some players that will improve next year, Scott. And I think that we've already seen this season that I think we feel happier with the likes of a Wambasaka. I think Lindelof, you could maybe recover now and keep, but not as your first choice. And there are little these kind of little breadcrumbs leading you towards somewhere better. But the core of the team needs more talent. And it isn't just about expanding numbers. It's about proper players who can come straight in your team and run stuff. And, and United still lack that, I think. Like, we can talk about Frankie De Jong forever, 
But if you don't get De Jong, you need someone that does stuff. And this is why I'm hot on Lavia, because I think he's the kind of player last night where you could have given him the ball at number six and he'd have just gone, well, I'm going to keep it for two minutes. You know, and he's a, he's like 12 years old. You know, he's, he's a kid. This is, this, is the, this is important. I mean, I know that we flagged Casemiro and his age yeah. when he signed. And obviously, he's had a good season. Recent weeks, he's not been great. He was good against uh, Aston Villa at the weekend. Yeah. But you can see it. Like, when they when they line up and they have the kind of four Casemiro then sat there and then a, a line, another line of four and the one. Yeah. Once that is bypassed, that's a lot of ground for him to cover. And ultimately, United are going to need more youth in that midfield because mm. the, the other players are Ericsson, who's never been known for his engine, really. Oh nor his defensive capabilities. Bruno Fernandes is, he's keeps going and going, but obviously not that type of player either. United need more steel. They, they need basically players with defensive capabilities that can actually carry the ball as well. You'd even say two of them. You do. And you, you, this is the, always, I think the, the trade-off between physicality and, and technique. And the truth is you need both. So, like, it's never one or the other. You always need both. And f- footballers are not perfect beings. Like, sometimes they're good at one and not so good at the other. And it's the manager's job to blend it. I feel what you're saying about Casemiro is absolutely right because the highlight at the start of the season was that he's getting older. And the reason why Real Madrid are letting him go and trading him out is not just because you're giving 60 million to them for a player they don't want anymore, but this is a player that's no longer part of their plans. The whole of this And week- on that, can I just say, and look at Real Madrid's midfield now. I literally took the words out of my mouth. Look at what the last week has been about. The last week has literally been about how Real Madrid are building their midfield. So Man United need to actually kind of take their lead from that type of squad building and look at the the element of youth and and longevity. And this is not a let's get rid of Casemiro, ran, and this is not, this is all Casemiro's fault. It is not. But he is not getting any younger. He's technically really good. But you saw in like last night, he can't be the only technical element in your midfield because he still feels that a lot of his job is to run around and kind of stop stuff. And I don't actually think that's his strength. I don't think he's particularly great at those things. The modern number six, Scott, is about ball playing and playing out from the back and control. And Casemiro is good at that, but then he needs an eight to help him and he needs a 10 to be available to drop in and out of pocket. And it has to work as a collective. It doesn't work as a collective. So this is, I think, why we see a different number 10 every week at Man United. This is why we see players different roles in, in the wide areas. This is all why we talk about these things. It's not agendas. It's, it's pure football. So like, this is why you need to go get someone like a Lavia who... In those scenarios, if he's because he's young, if you're not starting him, you could look at it with half an hour to go and go, right, this now turns into a let's control this game a little bit more. And Lavia, I need your energy, but I also need your ball work. And your job is to end this game with 97% pass completion. That's it. Don't do anything else. You don't need to score a goal, Lavia. Just do that. And United don't have those role players, do they? Like it, Everyone tends to be a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And that's a problem. So Casemiro, best number six in the world. Yeah. But maybe not for much longer. Like as the world, it's Rodri for me. As the, well, well, look at that. Rodri again. A really great example of a player that does nothing in you one at Man City. Actually has loads of City fans saying we want Reid. Get Reid. And he's been developed into a fantastic <clears throat> Premier League type number six who can just do all the physical stuff, but is neat and tidy 
and and also gives you a little bit of value in the final third when he gets up there. You know, he's got quality. He's got a long shot on him. He can make a pass. That's what you've got to do, Scott. That's how Man United need to build this. So I get that, that we could talk about clear outs and we could talk about sign-ins. It's a, a lot more pragmatic than that. You need role players that can do their roles. And I still think at Man United, with Ten Hag, a lot of this is like roll the dice, like 20 minutes to go. I think he knows it. Like bringing on yeah, Veghorst, Veghorst for 10 minutes or whatever, he kind of knows this could win or lose me the game. And it's a roll of the dice. And I would rather it was more assured. And he said at the end of the game, he went, you know, we didn't have the control in midfield. That's why we lose this match. He's absolutely right. He's not a mug. He knows why. We know why. But it's up to these players to rise to the challenge. And then you've got to supplement them with other, other qualities. Players who've got, I think, more, more of a kind of tactical head on their heads and can actually do very, very basic things. We're just talking about passing the ball five yards, Scott. We're not talking about things that these very well-played footballers cannot do. They should be able to do a lot of this stuff. You said about Lewis Dunk. Tell me what you said about Lewis Dunk off camera. Uh, I can't remember exactly what I said, but You said that Lewis Dunk can play out from the back, technically, yeah, without losing the ball and, not, and looking comfortable. And that's Lewis Dunk. <laughs> that's Lewis Dunk, who is not a technical footballer and spent his whole career being a big lump in the box. Yeah, that's what he is. And he's been able to do it. And he said afterwards, when he was interviewed, he talked about Deserby. And they, and they asked him three times. I don't know why they asked him three times. I mean, what does a manager make you do to be able to play like that? He's like, he hammers us every day in training. Every day in training, we do this. We know the patterns. When I get my head up, I know where four players are every time because we practice it nonstop. Now, I'm not saying Man United don't practice it. I just think they're more wild up here. Like, can you get Fred to do that? I don't think you can. You know, can McTominay do it? No, I don't think you can. Can Delo do it? No, I don't think he can. So, like, these things come back to bite you, don't they, in these moments? And then you play a team like Liverpool have had a terrible season and they thrash you by seven. So I think this is kind of where we're going, is that you need to fix these things with new additions and you have to be very specific about these signings. Just a, a final point on Casemiro. We were speaking about him a minute ago. You don't want to run him into the ground. This is the this is the a big point. To, no. In order to get the best out of him, especially over the next few years, you're going to need to manage his minutes. Yeah, and he's going to need to have the energy around him to require that is makes him able to just occupy the role that he is best at. Yep. At the moment, he is. Oh God, I got a charge over there. He's much better just kind of protecting the defense, picking up loose balls, intercepting and distributing. Yeah. Not chasing people backwards, putting in tackles on yellow cards where he should have been sent off. That's that's not what Casemiro should be. You need no. to protect him. Exactly. And this is why you need to expand your squad in those parts of the part we're talking about. Because again, the shrewd thing to have done tactically last night, Scott, is that with that 10-minute mark to go, is that you sit in a mid or a low block and you say to Brighton, you're a possession team, you can have the ball, but you're not getting anywhere near our goal. And Man United couldn't do that. They couldn't do that and they couldn't intercept and then just play more classic classic counter-attack, which is what you probably should have done in the last parts of the game. But instead, it was fragmented and all over the place. And you, you just need that the players, the senior players on the football pitch for you to play smarter. And you can't keep saying it until it happens. This is the point. Like We have to keep highlighting it because it doesn't happen enough. It must be very hard for this manager. But I do think that this is, it gives you a pattern of where you need to go in the transfer market, at least. It gives you a, an ideology of what you need to buy in to go to the next phase. Because 
I think it's a kind of miracle that Man United are anywhere near the top four when you're so badly behind those other nine teams when you go there away from home. Like, it's mad that Liverpool are so shockingly bad and are literally a few points off you now. And this, again, is about you, not really about them. You know, because Liverpool should be... Liverpool were, what, 12 points behind United a blink of an eye ago? You know, and now it's, what, five? And yes, you've got a game in hand. But West Ham is difficult. And we're going to talk about West Ham now. But West Ham have got other priorities. But it's the kind of game, you know, if you don't get it right going to London, that, that is a real proper atmosphere, London Stadium. And you're going to have West Ham who love playing against Man United. They absolutely love playing us. And, you know, in the years gone by, they've, they've had big victories over us. United need to be able to go there, Scott, and pass a football. If you don't, you will lose. I think they need to win this now. For me, of course. Like it's, it's, it's as, you know, I think we I said before the game uh, last night that I think you need four points from these games yeah, just to make sure that your lead is preserved. I know Liverpool would ultimately have the chance to close the gap in those circumstances, but to take the pressure off. Yeah. Because United lose on Sunday, and that is pressure ramped up. That is That's ramped right. up. That's Liverpool, a point behind. I'm feeling it already. And then, there. and then when, when you have a, a, a mentally fragile a team as mentally fragile as Man United are, you mm. never know. You never know what happens because they have not proven that they are able to cope with those situations. Totally. So it is a really big game on Sunday. It's a very big game. West Ham are... Obviously, they, they went to Manchester City the other day and lost after a promise in first half. But... They're a, they're a team that can really bring it. They'll have other priorities. Obviously, they want to stay up in the Premier League. I think they've got a four-point cushion over the over the bottom teams and the relegation zone. But they want to win the Conference League and their Conference League game is next Thursday. So maybe mm. they'll... I think maybe they'll pro- try and prioritize both in these circumstances and maybe between the legs, maybe switch the focus. But if West Ham need one win and they're safe. So they're going to have enough to play for that day. And... United need the points as well. So it ain't going to be easy. Not going to be easy. Let's hope. I'm quite happy if David Moyes decides that several of his players are sick again. So if that happens, then uh, more than happy with that if you if they rotate out and help us in that in that aspect. I think when you look at the, the makeup of the game, uh, is that if you can deal with Antonio and the way Antonio plays, and I think he's having a better half of the season and he looks more like himself, if you can deal with his kind of power and pace in the channel and make sure he doesn't get around the back of you, I think you take away a big chunk of what West Ham are good at. But I also look at Pakhtar and I, and I look at how he's playing this year. And now he's got to a point, I think, in midfield where he's controlling games from that part of the park. And that's our weakness, isn't it? Is to stop players who can control the ball coming in from, say, just the edge of the final third and having a goal for it as well with it. So a really difficult game. We've said it's... Every game's a cup final, and yes, it's a cliche, but it really, really is a cup final. And I think I'd have preferred it in many ways. If Man United had lost to Brighton in the semi-final, but beating them away yesterday, mm-hmm. I kind of would have been happier with that because I want this season to be over with now. I want it to be done and and ticked off, and you can say, right, we achieved this, and it's finished. But it's not finished, and that's a, that's on you. That's not really on the teams around you. It's about how you've not been able to get to where you need to be. Got one game on hand in Liverpool. You've got to make it count. If you don't make that game count, if you lose that game in hand for whatever reason, then it's game on. Because Liverpool, I think, are going to go to the finish line. I said to you, Scott, as well, that Liverpool got four games. And one of those games is against Leicester. And Leicester are actually playing quite well, even for where they are in the league. And Leicester could be the banana skin that stops Liverpool getting top four. 
Because I think Liverpool will beat Brentford and I think Liverpool will beat Villa. So I, I just think that they're kind of, they've got their head on to score goals and they've got their attackers back, Jota's back, Salah's playing well, Nunes is starting to come back, Gakpo now knows where the goal is. They've got, they've got firepower. Man United, on the other hand, it's about stage management. Again, you've got to just manage these games. Maybe even a draw at West Ham isn't a disastrous result, but you can't drop points like the way they did yesterday. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say don't lose again because they will. I'm going <laughs> to say it. Don't lose. Like don't lose any of these games. Go unbeaten and don't concede goals because this is the key to this part of the season. And um, and United need to learn these things, Scott. Either on the fly or bringing players that can do it. I, I I still just worry about you. You know, you look at United's first eleven at the moment. And for me, there's still just technical gaps that shouldn't be there with the players that we've got. Like, they just should be better with, with some of the stuff that they do. Um, and I'm interested to see what the manager does, because I think he will revamp it, and I think Ericsson will come back in. But we highlighted the stat, didn't we, uh, countless times, that when you play Ericsson, Bruno and Casemiro together, United don't lose. Why did we not do that last night? Must have been a reason. Um, I think it's Ericsson tired and I think yeah. he's come back he's been rushed back and and I think you just said about preservation of Casemiro I think there is this element that if you want to win the FA Cup or finish well maybe the last two or three games when it really matters then you, you might need Ericsson just to be a little bit fitter and healthier because he hasn't looked at an optimum for me he's looked off the pace a little bit but what do you do when he's not there like Fred is not good enough to do that function like that's how I feel I watch Fred on the ball and he runs around a lot and it's not his fault, but he's technically inept. Yes. Uh, well, United have some work to do in the next few weeks. They have some a lot of work to do over the summer. And it's yeah. the job is don't blow it. And neither Rob or I are confident. That they, <laughs> that they no, won't. but I'm less worried about the summer, Scott. Like, I really am, because I think the ownership stuff will sort itself out. And we'll talk about that in weeks to come as well. But there will be funds available for the manager and then it'll be up to the manager to decide stuff. What's very important is that whoever or whatever the new manager is, or sorry, the new owners uh, are, that they do not make transfer decisions. We cannot have that at this football club. If we become that football club, we become PSG or a team like that. We can't be like that. So I don't care who the owner is in that aspect. We've got to make sure that Eric Ten Hag continues because I think that he's done really well in year one of trying to reorganise United squad and bring in certain signings. And we've got to kind of let that carry on. Don't you agree? I think like that is really important that you have a manager making football decisions, which might be a bit old school. Like people think that you should have sporting directors doing it. And, and I kind of agree with that as well. You should have a robust system. Look at Man City. They, that's what they do. But ultimately, Guardiola controls a lot of that because he's Guardiola. And I think with Ten Hag, he needs that now. He, he needs midfielder, Scott. Man United have got to go and get them and go and get the ones he wants. Well, these other clubs are... The, these other clubs are buying technically sound players. You, you look at Brighton, another great example. Do it on a lower scale, sell high. But Man City are doing it and have been doing it for 10 years. And now they have a squad where not one of their players is incapable of taking the ball under pressure. Completely. And buying players is not about buying fashion, right? It's not about going and sh shopping in certain markets because those markets are the most attractive or the biggest it's about having a global scouting network where you can pick up the lad off the streets of ecuador and say look at him he does this 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 and this this he's 16 17 18 we can develop that and he can be in our first team they did it with garnacho 
Yeah, they took him from Atletico. He came, you know, he's a Spanish-born uh, footballer, obviously now Argentinian international, now signed a new contract. And they did it, and that's the right way to do it. Go bring him in, develop him for two years, and get there. Now, United need something a bit more immediate than that, of course, in this transfer window, but that has to be the philosophy. That's why Brighton is so good. We talked about McAllister yesterday, and he was saying, you know, this is this year three or four his, at Brighton. He's been at Brighton for a while doing this, developing his game, and now he's ready for the next step. No doubt he'll probably end up at Liverpool next season. So it's a juggling act, isn't it? And, and, it's, and it's never ending, but you've got to get better at these things. And it has to be about technique, Scott. You have to have players that are technically better. It can't just to be about physicality or if you could run around. And then you can lose the threads. Like, this is the way I'm thinking about McTominay's and all of that. You can only get rid of them, Scott, when you bring more technique into the football club. And that is still definitely the Achilles heel. Yes, uh, that's it for us. Uh, subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And uh, watch us twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, we'll be back Tuesday to unpack what happens at West Ham. Let's hope for not a repeat. Let, let's hope for something different to what we saw at Brighton. Fingers Head over crossed. to the channel. Uh, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us. Leave a five-star review on uh, one of those uh, audio platforms. Leave comments for us on the YouTube video. Subscribe. We're, close to, we're, clo- we're closing in on a milestone subscription. So please, if you haven't already, do subscribe. Follow us on Twitter as well, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore P, and at PromiseLandMU for the show. We're back Next week, as I said, thank you, Rob. I've been Scott. See you soon, everyone, for another Promised Land. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.